Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross and Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of the Freight 360 Podcast, where we talk to you all about different freight brokering topics. Today is going to be a really good one on prospecting, uh, but please, if you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe to our channel, whether it's through the podcast outlets or through YouTube. Leave us a review, share us with your friends, comment on the YouTube video with questions, and head over to our website, Freight360.net. You can check out all of our free download, downloadable uh, content in our searchable library from blogs, videos, full-length podcasts, and you'll even see the Freight Broker Basics course. It's a full-length self-paced course on how to start and grow a freight brokerage. All right, Ben, uh, you, you pointed it out uh, off air, but I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm pretty sure I'm in the exact same room that I was in the last time that I was here two months ago. But how's the... And, and you know why? Because the last time you were there, I think I had just watched like the Dave Chappelle special or something. I watched some stand-up special recently, and the, the picture behind you is a guy on stage. And clearly you're in Nashville, which is why the art fits. But yeah. I couldn't tell if it was a TV or a picture the first time you were in this room. And it kept catching my eye. I was like, is that TV on pause from like the same Netflix thing I was watching last <laughs> night? And then it hit me. I was like, oh, Nashville, that's clearly a picture. And yeah. as soon as you sat down, I saw it. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty it's sure a it's a shot button. of two gentlemen on stage playing guitar, it looks like. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Well, I've been here. This is my fourth day here, and I have yet to go on the Broadway strip yet. I've been really busy. I've had um, one of our agent offices uh, from Pierce Worldwide Logistics. They're they're in from Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area to do some business and some high-level stuff. It's been a good, productive week. Um I'm actually glad we're talking about prospecting today because a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about is related to, you know, onboarding new accounts, growing accounts and things of that nature. But um, how's Florida? Has it warmed up at all? Dude, it's cold as shit down here, man. It's like really? 49 degrees. I'll tell you what, like I rode my is it right bike now? again this. Oh, now it's like 71. But that's yeah. just, that, that was the peak. This morning, like I did, I went twice this week. I went Monday and today I rode my bike like a good ride down by the beach when it was like 15 miles an hour. So it was like pedaling uphill half the way. And it was, I think when I left like 52 and I'm like, I don't really know that I would ride my bike up in Pittsburgh if it was 52. And I was like, <laughs> I was like super proud of myself for being a, a warm weather Floridian these days that I was yeah. like, I'm going to start trying to tough some of this out and stop being some of a wuss and just get used to it. <laughs> yeah. It's pushing almost 70 degrees here today. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I can't, I'm going to go enjoy um, lower Broadway this evening. And uh, it's been a while since I've been there. So I, I got favorite chicken th- sandwiches, spicy chicken with pickles, man. Yeah. Nashville hot chicken. You've got yep. Hattie B's and um, that's the one I usually like to go to. There's princess as well as another big one. So they're all around, but had, had a couple of good local food options and some local draft beers and, and stuff like that. Got to see some really awesome. We went to this place called Music Row last night. It's near where all the recording office, recording studio offices are. And there's a really cool, like a, a stretch of like entertainment, like bars, restaurants, some clubs, breweries. Mm-hmm. And I heard some of the best musicians last night. Like this one there's these guys that were playing and there was a girl too. And the girl, like the three of us that were there, she finished and we're like, that's a hit song. Like that yeah. sounds like it should be on the radio. So it was really cool. 
That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good rest of the week. Got someone coming in tomorrow for the next uh, couple of days, and then I'll be on my way back to Buffalo, where it's likely snowing right now. But hey, sports update. I don't have a whole lot. Anything? Uh, hey, yeah, the match is this Monday, and it's like right up the street from me. I look to see if I can get tickets. Um, Who's it's playing a, this year? It's uh, Max Homa, and I th- I think it was I looked at it and then I forgot. It's usually um, a pro athlete with a golfer. Two women. Right? It's the first time. It's gonna be two. It's gonna be the two women golfers. Lexi, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, the match at the park is what it's called. Yeah, Rory, it, come on, yes. Rory McIlroy and two LPGA stars, um, Max Homa and Rory and Lexi Thompson and Rose Zhang. I also oh, didn't so it's know it's not that- like uh, like the match historically has been like Tom Brady. Yes, Aaron and last Rogers. year was uh, last year it was um, Steph Curry, I think, and he got a hole in one. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know Lexi Thompson was actually from Delray, which is literally right next door to me. I mean, that's where I rode my bike to this morning, Delray. Nice. Um, you stop. can't get in anyway unless you have a, a whatever that credit card is, Capital One that sponsors oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's the only way to yeah. get in. Gotcha. It was like super close. I was like, that'd be pretty cool to go up there and at least watch a yeah. couple holes. I would have taken my daughter. I could have got in. For sure. For sure. Um News. The one I want to talk about, and people have asked me questions, is this whole New York City trucking boycott it's gotten national media attention and the reality is like i had my wife's cousin as a lawyer i i did a he's the one that i taught a logistics class in his to his college students uh because he teaches law at a local college and he sends me this whole thing about you know it was the whole trump had to pay 300 some million dollars truckers are going to go boycott it by not delivering or picking up in new york city and he asked me he's like what do you think the actual like repercussions of this are going to be. And I was like, man, that's clickbait. I was like, the reality is there's like a dozen dudes and a bunch of online forums all saying they're going to yep. do this. And I'm like, people don't realize how big the market is in New York city. Uh, well, they should, it's a massive Metro area, yes. but also, and I, I didn't learn this until I worked for a trucking company. A lot of the, there's, there's a lot of restrictions for height and weight of vehicles in New York city with bridges, yep. um, tunnels and, and things like that. So there's a lot of local cartage delivery companies that will do the final mile delivery to yep. a lot of the areas within the, with like lower Manhattan, for example. Yep. Right. Sure. You're going to have um, like for trade shows, you'll see full 53 foot vans delivering stuff at convention centers. But a lot of the, the other stuff, there's capacity that's extremely regional and focused there. But either way, if you had, even if there was a hundred people that were going to boycott it, it's not going to move the market. No, at all. There's, there's anyway, so whatsoever. many carriers out there, but I don't know. What'd Even if it was a few hundred, to be honest, like the brokers would just recover it and there'd be a spike in spot rates in New York City for a day or two. And that would be about it. Yep. Like, for I sure. mean, not significant whatsoever. It's news. It's. I don't know. And to that point, like I don't even really read the news too much anymore. Like I read business related things to try to see what's going on in the economic side of the news. But like, I rarely even read any of the news. It's all written by AI. You can kind of tell now yeah. and they don't, you don't really learn anything in any articles. I'm like, after the few that I'm just starting to read anymore, I'm like, this told me nothing. I literally learned everything I needed in the title. And I'm like, there was nothing other than just 
you know, sensation around the title and you don't really kind of learn anything. And to clickbait, man, it's not relevant anyway. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Much to do about nothing. Anything else in the news world before we get into prospecting and sales? Uh, No, not really. Nothing that I've seen. Cool. Well, let's get into it, man. The, um, we'll kind of free flow here. We've done a lot of, uh, specific episodes in the realm of prospecting on lead generation, on building relationships, follow up and all of that. Um, I think we're going to kind of go somewhat big picture, but talk some specifics as well on building a sales funnel. And I want to, I want to preface with this. This is an activity that you will deal with on day one and on day 1000. Because the last day you're in the industry, you'll still be doing it. Exactly. <laughs> or because you'll be leaving the industry because you stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the reality here is prospecting is a necessity. It's a necessary part of our job. And if you don't do it, just like you said, it can lead to your demise and um, failing to succeed in the industry because you, you didn't do it. What a lot of people will often do, uh, I shouldn't say often, um, People that get themselves into trouble, what they might often do is they get one big account or a couple big accounts and they stop prospecting new business, whether that's internal with their customers or just other companies, other shippers. And eventually something changes and they lose their business and then they're they're sitting there with nothing. Yes. With crumbs. Yep. Right. So prospecting is extremely important for that reason. It just it's gonna look different the way that you prospect business on day one and you know after one year versus after 10 years, it's gonna look a lot different. Um, we'll probably focus on the young freight broker, right? I don't mean age. I, mean- I wanna talk, yeah. I wanna focus real specifically on what a funnel is, right? Yep. Very simply, what it's needed, where your customers start at, and then how do they drop into the into your company, right? Yep. Like it's basically, you look at it like, a, like there's pictures a in funnel. most sales offices of literally a funnel, right? Like on top of a business and there are lots of companies you could use a net to try to get them in there with emails or whatever they get in the top and then you qualify and it gets narrower and narrower because some won't be a good fit for lots of reasons. And then one of two things happen at the bottom. It's a fork in the road, right? And that fork is You are either disqualified and I'm never talking to you again because you don't move any full truckload and there will never be a need there. One option, right? Option. I'm sorry. There's probably three options. (laughs) Now, the second option is, hey, this could be an opportunity, but I'm 10 months away from when they'll need me, right? So you throw them in there, follow up maybe nine months from now. And your third option is they fall in and they become a customer, right? It's either you're gone for good. You're gone until later or we're working together, right? And people will often use the terminology of a sales pipeline as well. And the pipeline is something where um, you come in one side and you move through that pipeline and the same kind of stuff happens, right? You're qualified, maybe there's follow-up needed um, or, you know, but the other end of it is they come out that pipeline as a customer. So they might be in that pipeline for a long time or they might exit the pipeline as a non-qualified or they exited it as a customer. So whether you use the term funnel or pipeline, they're both really great visuals to exactly. conceptualize how somebody goes from a cold lead that you've generated to a revenue producing customer. And we'll yep. talk through that process. Where do you want to start? So let's start with like some definitions, right? Like inactive prospect versus an active prospect. An inactive prospect, no matter how hot you believe that lead to be, you've not spoken to them. They're inactive. You've never had a conversation with them. You might have called them a lot. You might have left them messages. You might have sent them emails, 
but there's nothing from their end coming back at you. It's a one-sided conversation. So at that point, inactive. Active, we are engaged in a conversation. I'm going to talk to you once. For me, like I try to qualify real quick. So mine, the next step happens real quick, but let's just start with inactive versus active. Active, I've talked to you. We are engaged in a conversation or we haven't, right? And that's your very top of the funnel. And I'm going to use funnel and why I like a funnel over a pipe is because it is wider at the top and it should get narrower at the bottom. Better visualization, I agree. Yes. So to give some examples, right, of what the pipeline will start to look like when you start doing this is you're going to reach out to lots of people that don't know you and don't really need anything right now. That's what a gold goal is, right? So until you spoke to them, they're inactive, they're inactive. Now that I've talked to them, now they're active, right? They are a different status, right? The goal of a pipeline, and again, we'll do an overview and then we're going to dig into it. So the goal of the pipeline is to talk to a lot of people, right? To turn them from inactive to active first. And then once they're active, you want to qualify or disqualify as fast as humanly possible. And this is one of the biggest things they teach newer brokers and that I learned. And everybody that I've met has still learned from experience, even though we were told this. It reminds me of being a kid, right? Like you're told not to touch the stove. You're told not to touch the stove, but you're going to touch it until you get burned and then you don't touch it, right? And to me, it is this lesson of you, you think a lead's really hot because you see their website and for whatever information you have, either in the news or what people tell you or what you've seen other brokers do, you think there's money there, right? And you just get so excited that they're talking to you. You skip over the qualification. You don't really ask how much full truckloads they're moving or any full truckload whatsoever. And they're talking to you and you're talking. You're like, I'm calling so many people that don't talk to me. This person finally is giving me some attention. Like you're just so excited that you just kind of run with it, right? And then let's take this example, right? Talk to them next week, more information, three, four weeks, six, seven weeks later, they're onboarded. They're like, yeah, we'll set you up as a vendor. You're ready to move some freight. And you find out they move one full truckload like every other week. And they've got four other carriers and they only use the cheapest carrier because their freight's never in a rush to get where it needs to. And it's not high value enough to care about the quality of the carrier. And you're like, yeah, huh, I spent, and if you count them up, right? Some And the first one for mine, right? Like I might've spent nine hours in total over two months talking to this person, this prospect that was active that I thought was really potential. And the reality was I wasted nine hours of my time. I could have asked that question in a conversation or two and found out that I didn't really need to spend more time there. And I could have called another hundred prospects that could have been inactive to active, right? That's my opportunity cost. Yeah, I want to I hop in here. I love where you're going. I want to hop in and hit on sort of like a systematic thing. Steven, actually, our, our producer brought this up beforehand and I wanted to, to talk to it is how, based on where they are in your funnel or your sales pipeline, how can you use your CRM to help you categorize these folks, yes. right? And it's, and it's going to look a lot different depending on your preference or maybe the way your brokerage does it or you, the, what your CRM has the ability to do. Yep. I personally, I use HubSpot and a lot of the CRMs, whether it's like Pipedrive, HubSpot, um, Salesforce, they usually have like some default categories, right? For the, the, the lead yeah. status, right? So the lead status can be, you know, active, inactive, qualified, not qualified. What I've always liked to do is create categories and make your own custom ones that they can flow through. Like, like you mentioned, there's a, there's a path and there's a fork in the road, yep. right? So um, 
it, it's your sales cycle, right? So like whatever your first first status is like brand new, inactive. never talk to them, right? They're yes. inactive lead. So you can call that yep. like new lead if you want to, right? And then you can go to a um, maybe you called them and what weren't able to get through. Or you emailed and they had responded. So now they've been contacted. So it's a contacted lead, but we don't know anything else yet. And then it might yep. move to qualified versus unqualified, or it could be, you know, and if they go on the qualified path, then it might be um, dealing with objections or shows interest or, you know, follow up in three months. Like you, you can create these custom yes. statuses for a lead. And by doing that, it will help organize your follow-up methodology and when that follow-up happens. For right? sure. And I think this is not a CRM episode today, but I wanted to at least point that out that you can yep. use the tools that you have access to to help automate and clean this process up for you because not everyone goes from cold lead to customer. customer. That's what everyone expects. That's yeah, what I want exactly. to do this episode on is because everyone thinks it goes from cold lead to customer. And I'm like, no, you're missing the entire journey in the middle. And this is why you're not getting customers and why you're frustrated for that matter. Right. Yeah. And to your point, what is most important isn't which category you use for your steps. It's that you're consistent across all of the people yep. you talk to and that everyone falls into it. So for me, mine go inactive to active. Once they're active, it's qualified. If they're qualified, then they go into one of three categories. They're qualitative, hot lead, medium lead, cold lead, right? And then that's how I rank them and they'll change, right? I might have somebody that's hot now and then goes to medium and then just two months, I'll be picking back up. They can go back. So that's really those three that I use after qualified. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So you want to talk through what some qualifying things yes. would be? So, and, and I want to do like, not necessarily a role play, but I'm going to go through the exact example I did on a coaching call today, which is why I wanted to do this episode, right? Because there's, the first thing is what I hear most people say when they are calling a prospect is they announce who they are, they announce who they're working with and why they're calling, right? And the reality is, is well, I don't know that everyone realizes why they do this. Psychologically, one of the reasons why most people do this is because it gives you some armor. It's not you calling. I'm calling from this company, right? ABC ben, I'm from T2L, yeah. right? Like, hey, I know I'm bothering you and I feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to tell you real quick why I'm calling you to make my uncomfort go away. That's why they do it. Rush to get to this to tell you that it's okay that they interrupted your day because it makes them uncomfortable, right? And I've been there. I've done that too, right? Here's the reality. Has anybody ever called you in your personal life or business ever announced who they were and who they worked for if you knew who they were and had any relationship with them ever? No, right? Like, no. I'm calling you. I'm going to enter the call like, hey, mate, or hey, what's going on? Or just start telling you what I called you for, right? And the thing is, right, like what gets you through a gatekeeper or builds rapport with somebody has to do with how comfortable they am talking to you. And if you've been trained your entire life, and especially now with the amount of spam calls we get, when you hear that, your guard goes through the roof and you go, shit, I got to get off the call. I got to get back to what I'm doing. I'm going to be as nice as I can without being rude. And then you're already back in their emails, even as you're talking to them, right? You've never even gotten their attention out of the gate. You've kind of shot yourself in the foot before you even got to the game, right? To the starting line. For sure. sure. Now, I want to zoom out for a second to go to this role play. The real steps between I don't know you and I've never talked to you and us doing business are on average 
eight conversations and the important step in between I don't know you and we're doing business is we say this a lot, but this is what we mean by it. I need to get you to know me, to like me and to trust me. That's really the step that is far before I'm ever going to honestly probably even get some real answers from you. Even if you're telling me about your freight or what your target rate is, if you don't know me or trust me at all, you are just negotiating and doing whatever to get me to go away or to just try to get a cheap load moved. There's nothing substantial there. No like and trust don't always happen in that order. Correct. Um, Sometimes it could be they like you, they get to know you, and eventually they trust. Usually trust comes last because it takes time. But depending on how you open your cold call, they might get to know who you are first if that's kind of the language that you spew out. If you can get them to like you first, I love that approach. That's why I'm all about like disarming the conversation, making them feel comfortable, maybe cracking a joke, asking them about the game last night. That's my go-to. And I've always found it to be so beneficial. I've had calls where if I've got, let's say I've got a meeting set with somebody and we have 15 minutes allocated, we might spend 12 minutes talking about BSing. And then we have to be like, oh man, I didn't really, we only got a few minutes left here. Like, here, here's what I want to talk about. And you do a quick exchange of to know each other about, you know, whatever the details are and you follow up later with them. So I'll go through mine and then we'll go through an example of yours because I think they're really two of the more common approaches. And in my opinion, they're the most effective ones. I'm not saying they're the best. I just find they work the most often, right? So my approach is step one is I give them a reason why I'm calling and I get to it real quick. Like, why should you be talking to me right now? And again, we're not going to go into a ton of psychology, but if it's me versus you, there's a bigger chance of conflict and there's a higher chance that you think I need something from you and your guard is more likely to go up if I start asking you certain things. An example of those certain things are, how many loads do you move this week? How many loads are you moving next week? How much full truckload are you moving? Do you have any opportunities for lanes? Because the reality is if I ask you how many loads you're moving this week, which is the qualifying question, by the way, the one we need answered the most, what is the next question you think I'm going to ask. Can I move some of your freight, right? It's the ask. It's the one that they're, they they don't want to answer. They don't know you and they know they're going to say no. You know, they're going to say no. And it doesn't make anybody get any closer together. It kind of pushes you farther apart, right? So mine is opening. You're going to answer. I'm going to go, Hey, Nate, look, Hey, I was reaching out. And before I make the call, I will look on Google maps, street view, look at your building, maybe look at your load docs, right? Where it is. I'm going to call, hey, Nate, hey, I was reaching out. A bunch of my drivers have been down in your area often. You guys have the warehouse over on 12th and Broadway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, a, a few of my drivers, I know they're picking up, they're picking up a bunch of citrus down the road and they're literally by your warehouse constantly. And three of them have asked me over and over to reach out to you. Again, they're in your neck of the woods. They're driving empty past you. I don't know if that'd be a good fit. Hell, I don't even know if we'd be a fit to do anything together. But the reason I was giving you a call is because, again, I got guys literally driving past you. They've wanted me to reach out and just learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing there. Hey, speaking of, how are things coming? How are things coming along today, Nate? (laughs) Have you fallen victim to double brokering, cargo theft, or identity theft? QuickScope stands out as the only low-level fraud protection tool available today. Unlike any other solution on the market, QuickScope is deployed post-agreement between shippers or brokers and carriers. 
Shippers can rest assured that their cargo remains secure. Brokers can confidently confirm the identity of the individuals on site for pickup, and carriers can trust that they'll receive timely payment. Start your free trial with Quickscope today by visiting them online at quickscope.com. That's Q U I K S K O P E.com. Blue Book Services is the resource you need if you're transporting fresh produce or lumber. Their online databases contain thousands of companies throughout the produce and lumber industry supply chains. You can easily search their databases to generate new sales leads. Blue Book's credit ratings help you avoid companies with high credit risk, and their team can help resolve disputed loads. To learn more, go to producebluebook.com or lumberbluebook.com and click join today. Do you want me to role play or do you want me to tell you what I thought was really good about that? Run with it for a minute, right? How's your day? How are things going, right? And then things are going pretty good. Right. So the first part, right, is like a pivot. I allow you to talk without putting you on the spot. I'm trying to get you just into a normal rhythm of a conversation, right? Hey, this is why I called you. And the important piece is it's not I'm calling you because I need something from you or you need something from me or we really need anything. Hey, these guys do a lot of work with me. I said, I'd do him a favor, told him I'd give you a buzz, see if there might be some opportunity for some work for these guys. Right. And I think what, I think what you did really good too, is you, you shifted the, it's me to you to, Hey, my drivers. And you also planted a seed in my head of, Hmm, they're here. That's a little empty miles. And it sounds to me almost like it's a backhaul that we're getting set up for. So in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, awesome. So I've got something for for me right now. And there's not a lot of, pressure attention in this conversation. Okay. Now what I said earlier was like, I need to qualify you pretty quick still. Like, cause I also don't want to spend another 10 minutes talking to you if there is no point there. Right. So again, let's say you're in, you ship citrus and oranges. Right. And I look and I know that citrus season is picking up in you know, three weeks, let's say, and I'm calling you. Right. My next question, right. Is I need to know how much you ship a week to see if it's worth working together. But if I ask you what you're shipping in a week or two, just like I said earlier, it makes you feel like I'm about to ask you for something you have and you don't know me yet or who I work for or even my name because I didn't give it to you. None of those things. Right. So if I ask you, though, and and I'm just going to role play and then we'll, we'll recap it after. Right. So picking up from right there. Hey, speaking of Nate, how are things coming along? How's your year shaping up so far? Um, well, it's been a little bit colder down here than normal, but we're, you know, we're getting ready for the ramped up produce season coming in the next couple of months here. Oh, for sure, man. I am really looking forward to spring and seeing some warmer weather. And I am not someone that can complain about the weather, but I'll tell you what, I'm also looking forward to getting a little warmer. Um, so you guys are, you guys are pretty much ramping up for this year. Out of curiosity, Nate, how did, uh, last year play out for you? You guys kind of end the year where you were expected. You guys have the season that you guys were hoping for. How did kind of everything play out? Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it was it was a bit of a better year than um, 2022. Naturally, we we saw pricing advantage on, on our end with with some of the truck costs coming down, and yep. um, so yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good year overall. We're looking forward to this year. Nice. Hey, let me ask you. I mean, a few of the other guys I work with out in the area, AP Produce and uh, um, ABC Produce. I know their peak is usually around like second, third week in March. Last year, was that similar for you guys? Were you running about your higher volume during like peak of uh, orange season right around second week of March? Yeah, I mean, those guys are in the same ballpark as us. So, you know, we're typically kicking off around the same time of the year. 
Yeah. What did you guys do around peak season? Truckload wise on a weekly basis, like at when your we, peak. Yeah. When we got fully ramped up, we were somewhere between 20 and 30 truckloads a day going outbound. Yeah, that's about what I expected. Out of curiosity, when did you start to see things slow down? When did they start to kind of tail off for you? And Yeah. I mean, as you know, in, in Florida here, as it gets, I'm assuming we're talking about Florida yeah, right now, but yep. obviously as, as we get to those warmer months and that, that kind of wraps up the season for us. So um, really it was, it was quiet by the tail end of May and, got back to our, our off season business as usual. When you guys are in off season, what, what do you guys, what did you guys typically do last year on a, on a weekly basis, full truckload? You guys like 10 to 15, five to 10, somewhere around off season. What's that? You know, it like? really, really depends on, how, you know, whatever mother nature throws at us, but yeah, we do yep. drop down considerably. We do some stuff with some other local companies as far as um, providing stuff for orange juice to Purina. I'm just making this up or uh, yeah. so, Who's the who's the big uh, orange juice one in Fort Pierce? Uh, I think uh, it's Sunkist. Sunkist, yeah, or somebody, right? Yeah, we do yep. some work with them, but yeah, we we drop. We're closer to about a dozen a week at that point. Yeah, that's about kind of again. That's about what I would expect it. Okay, so let's recap this right there. Right, I qualified you without ever talking about any load in the future or anything that you're going to do, or gave you even the inclination that I was going to ask about moving a load for you. Right? You didn't. You didn't smell like a salesman either. It's an no. enjoyable conversation. We've all had that phone yep. call where you're like, dude, I got to get this guy off the phone or yes. where I'm like, I'm kind of enjoying this conversation. I got a few minutes to talk right yep. now. I'm happy to connect with this guy because he's making my day more enjoyable. That's the reality. Right. And then I used again, third party. I didn't tell you I ship oranges or that I'm good at it or that I can do everything you need or solve every problem you have or promise you the world. What I did though, without you realizing it was I kind of bragged by insinuating that I work with companies that you would recognize and I'm in the mix and I understand the market when it's going to pick up and when it's going to slow down without telling you any of those things. I conveyed to you that I'm in this industry and I'm aware of how things play out, right? Yeah. Exactly. At the same time, I found out that it's really a good opportunity, right? So now you're qualified and I did it in a way that makes you, like you pointed out, like want to actually continue talking to me. And to, and to be honest, like in my first call, if I've gotten that much, I'm probably not really going to push too much more because I know the opportunity is what I thought it was. I know I want to keep working it and I know I got to talk to you a handful of more times. And if I learned everything about you and I've done this, what do you think happens if you can get somebody that spends like 30 minutes on a call and they answer every question you've ever had and tell you everything you need? What do you think the downside of that is? There's nothing left to call them back about. Right. And when I've called them yeah. a week later, they're usually like, oh, hey, Ben, they're happy because they talked to you a long time. I'm like, hey, it was nice connecting. But to be honest, I mean, I kind of told you everything and I'll let you know when something changes. I just got nothing for you. And I got nowhere to go with it. I, there's nothing I could even ask you because you've literally told me everything about your operations, what you need and all this. And I'm just like, OK, so now I got information and no relationship. <laughs> I want to add something in, too, is is have if you're going to deal with seasonal produce, I threw a, a curve at you that we didn't talk about. I, I lied about when we, we tail off. I said, man, usually you're more, you're usually closer to like end of June into July. Yeah. Um, but know your, know the months, right? Like had you come at yep. me and been like, yeah, you know, like uh, you guys are ramping up uh, March. When, when, when do you tail off? Typically like uh, April. I would have been like, who the hell is this guy? Right. But oh, you didn't, for sure. you, you didn't, yes. you didn't presume anything. Um, but yeah, for the for the yes. sake of that, I would recommend, you know, and you can see this stuff. A good way to do it is a mix of two ways is I always love uh, produce blue book. You can see like know your commodity when yep. that stuff is typically seasonally, seasonally available. Um, 
But like Florida Citrus, for example, if you just do a simple um, rating search on Florida Outbound or Inbound, you'll see when it peaks to get expensive to get a truck out of there and when it drops back down and gets low. So those are kind of like your big ones. And you could say that, say, hey, you know, I've noticed in the past we tend to see rates doing this around this time of year. Does that have anything to do with the volume that you guys are shipping outbound for your company specifically? Right. Yep. I mean, that because there's a lot of different types of produce and a lot of them come out of Florida or Georgia or the Southeast. And they, they don't all have the exact same time of year. This, like it, you know, citrus might go Correct. at one time, whereas, you know, something else might go at a, you know, at a totally different time. So good questions to ask, but it can change from year to year too, just based off of like, for example, Florida's having a colder winter this yeah, the year, weather. When which the could delay yep. the kickoff of produce season. In freight, time is money, and efficiency is key. That's where Levity comes in. Imagine automating your email operations to do more with less effort. Levity connects directly to your inboxes, extracting vital information from emails and attachments in real time. It seamlessly integrates with your TMS, empowering you to quote faster, build loads more efficiently, and book more freight in less time. Whether it's incoming emails from shippers or carriers, Levity's got you covered. It understands any language, any format, and even interprets non-standard formatting. Visit levity.ai today to sign up and get started. Tired of struggling to find accurate rates and the right carriers for your freight? With DAT1, you can access more than 500 million posted loads and trucks every year. That's three times more capacity than any other load board. Plus, their integrated freight management system makes it easy to cover loads 24-7. They have the most trusted network of carriers, brokers, and shippers in the country. You'll get real-time rates on every lane so you know exactly how much a shipment will cost before you commit to it. Plus, you get instant access to top bids from qualified carriers around the country. Get 10% off your first year of DAT1 when you visit the link in the show notes. So, and again, if you can pick those up, you're going to have a far more effective conversation. Right. And at that point, like, where am I going to go after that? Like, I mean, we can pick it back up, but to be honest, I'm going to be like, Oh, fantastic. I'm usually going to create a reason why I got to go. Because again, think you ever think of that. If you're like the scarcity mentality, when something is harder to find, do we want it more or less? When it's harder to find, you want it more. Right. If you called an attorney and the attorney picked up the phone and was just willing to jump into whatever you needed. Whenever you called them, you'd be like, well, does this guy have any other clients? Is he really that busy? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. and again, we kind of have this built in that when things are harder to find, it's part of human nature. Like they're, they're in higher demand. That's the supply demand curve. Right. So if I go, Hey, look, Hey, Nate, it was great connecting with you. Um, Hey, I got a buzz. I got another customer on my line, but yeah, hopefully we can connect in the future. Like I didn't keep you too long. I didn't overstay my welcome. I didn't make you have to hang up on me. And you're far likely, far more likely to pick up the phone when I call you next week or 10 days from now, right? Because it was an enjoyable conversation. I didn't keep you longer than you needed. I was able to talk with you in a way that didn't make you feel like I needed anything. And I can pick that up and learn a little bit more about your operations and just go a little bit further. And then again and again and again, right? Like, Yep. That's really your first piece. And the thing that I was thinking about, and this was in the coaching call, was as I was talking through this, I realized like the step between zero inactive and customer, right, is really 
you need a pipeline of friends. That's what an active pipeline is. And an active pipeline for somebody that is new in this business, your goal should not be to just make 80 phone calls a day. We talk about that a lot or 60 calls a day or somewhere thereabouts, right? Your goal when you start is you want to run as fast as you can to getting first one person that is active that will talk to you. And then from there, you want five. And then from there, it's 10. And then 20, then 40. You want to be able to get to a place within a few months where you are actively speaking to and following up with people you have talked to. And there should be about 70 or 75 of those. That you are in some aspect of follow-up. Either you're following up in a month, you're following up in a week, you're following up in 10 days, three days, tomorrow, today. But there's somewhere in there where you are engaged, you're making friends with them, you're learning a little bit about them, but you're not really quoting anything. You're not really asking for anything yet. You're just kind of adding value in a way that you guys are able to talk and learn more about each other. Yeah. And back to what we said earlier on, the way that your prospecting looks changes from day one to, to after one year to 10 years down the road. And you just explained it specifically. I'll kind of zoom out and give you the bigger picture. Day one, they're all cold calls, all. right? But like you mentioned, when you're a few months in, you should have a big chunk that are follow-ups, you don't have to make, if you're making a hundred calls a day, they're not all a hundred brand new leads to you. Yep. You're probably going to have a, a vast majority once you get your pipeline built up or your funnel fil- built up that are follow-ups with key people. It could be the same person. It could be, hey, we're going to now talk with so-and-so from their um, compliance department um, or, hey, we're going to revisit this one thing we talked about because it's we're coming up on a project that they've, they've told us about in the past. And then as you get way further down the road, few years in, in the business and you've got a really good book of business going, your prospecting calls probably are going to be the bigger fish. A lot, like that's, yeah. that's likely the time when you're like, these are going to be six to 18 month closes if we can get yep. this business. Because I've got to build rapport with six different people. I've got to talk yes. with legal. I've got to talk with their compliance department for for um, transportation vendor onboarding. Um, there might have been turnover in that time with who handles this, that, or the other thing. And, you know, those are the ones, though, that when you land them, it's usually really, really awesome, consistent business and a lot of opportunity. But you can still have you can sprinkle in there like we've used the the rock, pebble and sand thing of how you fill up a a jar. You've got your your rocks are your big your wells, your big prospects, your pebbles are your smaller to mid-sized companies. And then your sand is all those little other ones in there that are smaller companies. They might do a a load here and there. Um, There's a lot more competition to get the big fish versus the smaller ones. But they pay a bigger dividend. And here's the thing, look Joe, different. You're not going to go after a whale on day one. First of all, you don't understand their, you don't understand logistics enough and freight brokerage enough at that point to be able to talk to them on that level. Because people that are in charge of logistics and transportation at a Fortune 500 company have been in the industry typically for a very long time. And yes. they know what to look out for. And they know when they talk to somebody, this guy knows his stuff or this girl I can trust versus, yep. hi, I have trucks in the area. Do you have freight? Exactly. Right. And, and again, like to your point, I mean, one of the things like characteristics of prospects, right. That I look for, I think the best characteristic of a prospect is like a family owned privately held company with maybe no website or a very old website that cares a lot about their customers, has a lot of concern for quality and their freight being delivered 
and the service aspect of it. Yep. And the reason they tend to be really good prospects is one, they close quickly because they don't have a lot of bureaucracy or legal stuff. There's usually an agreement. That's it. And there's usually less people involved and they all trust each other really well. So if one person wants to onboard you, the other people are okay with it. So your speed to get onboarded is higher. Then once you're onboarded, since they don't have a huge presence or a big name out there because they do business just because they've been in business for 50 years and their customers have known them because they have this niche, right? There's mm -hmm. a fish food customer like this that was where all this came from. There was somebody I worked next to closed this customer on like her eighth day and made 300 grand that year just off this type of customer and realized this is why this works that fast. Because the other thing was when she used to quote freight that was probably at 30% margins, they didn't care. Do you know why? She took because care they of them. Cared. Yes. And not only that, they cared enough about their freight getting delivered that they were worth, they were willing to pay a premium, but even more so, they weren't being prospected all the time because not everybody could find them. They were harder to find, which meant they didn't have a lot of other people to benchmark rates against. So once they found someone they trusted, they just gave them all their freight. All of it. I trust you. Take all of it. They weren't looking for price. They're like, we trust you. We care about making the widgets that we make, get our widgets to our customers when they expect it and the condition they expect it with no damage. Right. And we'll yeah. pay for that. I want to I want to uh, add a caveat in here of a recommendation. If you're brand new and you're just getting into prospecting calls, I would challenge you to take some of your time and put it towards business that may not be very fruitful for you, but will give you a lot of repetitions with yes. the, the quoting process. And that is the, your simple, a lot of like building materials companies will have like a load list where you look, I guarantee right now, if you and I were to, to call 50 different companies that do this, we'd probably be on 20, 20 load lists within like an hour yes. or two hours. But yeah. the reality is they don't, they, all they care about is price. You might make 50 bucks on a load if you're lucky and you can find a truck reps. that wants to go there. Um, but you, you get a lot of reps, right? And it's, it's low pushback. They really don't, they'll onboard just about anybody. And I have seen companies lately that are, they're backing off on just opening the floodgates on providers just because the market has changed, but it's still very easy. They're like, yep, we'll add you to our daily list. You'll get, Today, you'll see our morning loads and our afternoon loads. And it is literally, we're telling you the price. Yep. You got to go out there okay. and work for a truck. Yes. That's it. Yep. And that's the repetition to be able to have constant communication with them, show them proof of your ability to uh, respond promptly and professionally and give them quality service. What I, what I have seen success look like with some companies, if you do this right, is they're letting you in on their load lists for their junk freight, but that's not all their freight. And if you exactly. can deliver on their junk freight and then you can have a conversation about, hey, I know that you got you guys have more stuff going out than just this. And you, you can open up the door to a conversation that way. But you don't have to do it that way. That's just one way that a lot of folks will do it. I'll just I will caution you. Don't get in the habit of all I'm going to ever do forever is deal off of jump ball freight or load list. Freight. Yep. Because you won't get anywhere. It, it's not relationship driven at all. It's not, it's, and, and, they know that's the price driven stuff. It right. can sit, that lumber can sit there. But here's what it gets it there me, as right? long as it takes until they get a truck at $800. Those reps give me those reps, though, to your point, give me the opportunity to have more conversations and to get better at it and to build more rapport and trust to get access to the more profitable freight that's higher risk that they're not going to give to somebody they don't trust. 
that's the path to it, right? To your point. Yeah. It's funny you're, you're saying this because I was thinking about this this morning. My son just went on a ski trip. First time he went skiing and I asked him how it went. He was up in, in Vermont and he's like, I'm very sore. I fell a lot. That's mostly what I did, but it was a good time. And we were talking about like learning skiing and I skied my whole life. And like I've had huge accidents, like two ruptured spleens, concussions, skiing, like, but I, it was my favorite thing to do. And here's what the point of, that I was making, why I'm tying this in was it kind of hit me was like to get good at skiing is exactly like getting good at riding a bike or getting good at making cold calls. Like you've got to go through either pain or discomfort and do lots of reps and just keep getting back up until it gets easier. And think that's about, the- think about someone that works out and hasn't like they don't do legs or they don't do abs. And all of a sudden they introduce yes. it like you're dead for two days, dead. three days afterward. Right. Yeah. And it's like. And I was just thinking about it more and it's just like, and I know it seems like cliche, but it's like, there is no path around that discomfort and pain, by the way. And I spent the first probably two months prospecting when I got into logistics, trying to find the easier path. In my head, I was convinced and that I was going to be able to use my background and analysis to figure out companies and what they ship to be able to make less calls, to get more deals and to make more money without that effort and discomfort or at least minimize it. Like that was my hope. And I spent so much time outside of work at night looking up companies and trying to figure this out and trying to solve this puzzle. And at the end of the day, right, my manager just sat me down and he was like, listen, do you trust me? I go, yes. He goes, the effort's there. You're, you're literally beating yourself up to get there. You're just only abusing yourself and not moving in the direction that I think you could. And he goes, if you trust me, pick one category and just move in that direction until I tell you to stop. And he goes, do you trust me? And I go, oh yeah. And he goes, okay, do that. And literally just by moving and stopping thinking, it did what we we're talking about. I just put the reps in, right? Stop thinking, make the phone calls, get better at the conversations and logistics, understanding objections. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for everybody. And at that point, like I wasn't new to sales. I had been made, they've probably made tens of thousands of sales calls to that point. It was just a new industry and I wasn't sure what they were going to say. So there's fear. And are they going to ask me a question? I don't know. And I'm going to feel like an idiot and all the things that everyone out there feels every time they pick up a call. And what I learned was I wasn't really justifying that I was going to find an easier way. That was never true. I was just lying to myself. And the truth was I was avoiding the scary thing of just running in the direction and going through like your point, the gauntlet, taking the punches taking them. They are what they are. You learn to dodge them. And then eventually you stop getting hit and then you see where they're coming from. And like, again, I know it's prospecting and this seems like we're making like this really big analogy with like physical pain, but it's the same. The emotional pain is no different than physical, right? Like that's why I'm using the analogy. And that was kind of why it hit me. I'm like, I spent the first 10 years of my life beating myself up to get better at skiing because that was important to me. Then I spent 10 years beating myself up to make money because that was important to me until I got good enough at it that I could do it without thinking. I don't know anybody that is ever getting customers or ever building a book of business in any industry that can avoid that, right? Like that's the path. But what makes it easier is rather than me doing the scary thing of interrupting you and asking you for something, which is we're all trained not to do from when we're little kids, I'm going to do what I'm trained to do, what I've been practicing my whole life. I just got to get you to be friends with me. Talk to you like I would talk to anybody else that someone introduced me to. You're not going to ask that person to like go out to dinner with you or go on a date the first time you meet them. You just got to build a little rapport, talk to them a little bit. You don't ask the first girl you met to marry, right? Like it's a progress. 
It's the same way you're building relationships with a prospect. It's no different than meeting people in high school, college, at a new job, or anywhere else you've ever been in your life. It's what yep. you're doing. You can't jump from here to there just because you want the money faster and you want loads to move. Like it, you can't skip that step. There are no shortcuts. I mean, I guess the only the only uh, caveat to the shortcut is if you just happen to be related to somebody that controls some freight or you have friends that control freight, and that's a whole that's a whole nother. Um, but hey, that's the kind of stuff though that you can. That's your referral yeah. business once you're seasoned. So for sure. Yep. Good stuff, man. Anything else you want to wrap up with on prospecting? That was a pretty good way to talk through the, the first steps of it. I think the, you know, some of the big takeaways here is um, prospecting is something that should always be done as part of a business routine for you as a freight broker. Okay. Yep. Another thing you mentioned, the amount of good conversations it's going to take you to have with somebody. You said eight, and I know we, we've often thrown the stats out there, eight to 12. Um, if you call somebody, you don't get through it. It doesn't count. It doesn't count because if you call the wrong number eight times and you're like, I'm not getting freight, that's not a legitimate prospecting call. It doesn't count. Um, And you should be looking for a different phone number or a different avenue to do that. Um, The using your CRM, make sure that you are, you know, tagging them or categorizing your leads in a certain way that identifies where they are in your sales funnel. Um, and their qualification levels. And, you know, we didn't get too deep into qualification, but we, we can do that on a separate episode. It's, there's a lot to talk about there. Make sure you're talking to the right person. Make sure they have the, the right volume of freight. Um, no. And the way that you approach the conversation, don't go into it sounding like you need something or you want something out of them. Go into the conversation. Give value before you're ever going to try to take it. What's that? Give value before you ever try to yeah. take it. Go into a curious. I always love to to treat a call like that as like I'm trying to learn because I'm super curious and I'm passionate about exactly. it. And usually when they're like, oh, somebody wants to hear about this boring job that I have where I'm working with heat exchangers. It's like, yep. I want to learn about that. Exactly. Um, so it's pretty cool. And then, you know, once you build that rapport and you talk about what, you know, what the reason that why you're calling like, hey, you know, your case was driver's have asked you to reach out because they end up empty there all the time. It's really close. Um, yeah, th- th- those are, those are great takeaways. Uh, it's consistency. Don't give up too early. I think driving home the point of the amount of conversations that you have to have on average. Um, yeah. And that eight is an, is an average. I will tell you, we had, I did a cold calling session with a guy late last year. We talked to a, a farm or like a, a grower of a, certain produce commodity and they literally in that first call were like one call close it wasn't a one call close but it was a he had something coming up later that week and wanted us to get pricing on it which you could call that a one call close if you want but the reality was we were i would consider that you're at another like your lead status at that point is not they're a customer it's i'm I'm at the close to closing stage where I'm, I'm getting an opportunity to yes. learn about real loads and I'm getting an opportunity to talk about pricing and securing drivers and things like that. And that we'll talk about more, right? That's the difference between an inactive customer and an active customer. Just because I'm onboarded does not mean you're active with me and does not mean we're doing yep. business. That means we have the ability to do business, which is your first hurdle is not the final hurdle. Yeah. And we can do a whole, I think we should do another episode too on exactly what you said, qualifying and what the rest of the process looks like 
and like where you take it from here. Because the other big questions we're getting a lot, and I think this would be a good episode is like, okay, well, the first load they're also going to give you is going to be priced probably oh, below probably what you're going to pay a carrier. Thing they have. Yeah. Yeah. And like, how do you work through this and how do you get through that hurdle? So I think we'll do those as follow-up episodes. I think they'll be really good for this one. But the other big wow. takeaway is the activity in your funnel. Like you need to race to have as many people know you as you can first, right? Like that's your first step. It is not to get loads. It is not to get active customers. It's I to get people to know you. Yeah. I want to add one thing in. If you truly have something so unique about your offering and i'll give you a couple examples you can open that up to your customer or to the prospect early on so for example for sure let's say one of your customers or i'm sorry one of your carriers operates um temperature controlled box truck right and runs local to where your customer is <laughs> referral or no. refrigerated ltl is such a niche market that a lot of people have a tough time getting a passive for. So if you have a unique equipment type, uh, tanker, end dumps, hoppers, um, and they're and they're looking for more business, that's a those are niche markets, right? The same thing goes with um, white glove type of stuff. Yep. Um, uh, hazmat, very yeah, hazmat. very very yep. difficult has loads that are like you could, you could let them know right in the beginning of that conversation like i have a, like you can, i'm not gonna say i have trucks in the area but i've got available specialized capacity I have availability i have availability yeah. yeah with some high class hazmat stuff i don't know if you guys do explosives but we can we can assist with that if that's something you need just throwing that's that out a whole there qualifier you might find out that what yep. they have is not a fit for that but that's a different type of sale if you're just generically calling a, a customer or a prospect, it's a very different sales call from I'm calling a very niche market for a, a niche reason and I have a niche solution for them. In which case you typically want to embed that a little bit earlier on in the conversation. But that's a that's a great start to talk about prospecting. We'll definitely revisit it. It's one of the most common topics that we talk about. Um, and it's gonna continue to change. And we've got some really we got a great question we're gonna answer on next Tuesday's the final mile about um market shifts and how to adjust the way that you operate and sell during certain types of market shifts. So great discussion. Great episode. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, maybe we'll have a part two or I'm sure we're gonna have more content related to this, but yeah, we'll do a part two next episode. That's question. Yep. But final thoughts, Ben, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. And if you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the Contact Us form on our site and we'll see you next week. 